Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Welcome back, everybody, and my listening family. I'm here today for part three with Jose Luis Stevens. We're going to find out all about the work that he's doing today, but we'd like to pick up where we left off in our last program, where he was talking about the power of songs to directly heal and how he learned that from a particular Shipibo healer. And um, I've already asked Jose if he would share a song with us as a way of kind of bringing that cycle all the way around. So Jose, take it away. Okay, before starting to sing, I'll just mention that uh, shamanically, songs can be sung in any language, and um, uh, it doesn't, it, that doesn't matter, it's the intent that really matters. So I'm gonna be singing this one in Spanish, um, and it's based on a, a Shipibo song that they usually sing in Shipibo. Espíritus chamanicos, Espíritus chamanicos, toma pente, toma pente, bobinsana, bobinsana, ayudando, ayudando, cuidando, cuidando, sanando, cuerpecito, sanando, sanando, ayudando, ayudando, limpiando, cuerpecito. Limpiando almente, limpiando corazón, limpiando pensamientos, limpiando sentimientos, arreglando energía, saca, saca todo malo, saca, saca las trabitas, saca, saca enfermedad, saca, saca todo dolor, saca, saca las trabitas. Entre, entre, luz del cielo. Entre, entre, luz de las estrellas. Entre, entre, luz de espíritu. Sube, sube, conciencia. Sube, sube, conciencia. Saca, saca, todo hucha. Doy, 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 doy. Doy, 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 doy. Arreglando, arreglando. Limpiando, limpiando. Protegiendo todo cuerpo, protegiendo corazón, protegiendo al mente. Con mis ojos yo te veo, con mis ojos yo te veo, con mi corazón te hablo, con mi corazón te hablo. Con mis brazos yo te llevo, con mis brazos yo te llevo, con mi voz yo te canto, con mi voz yo te canto. How beautiful. So, so that song could go on and on and on and on. You know, it could name particular parts of the body or focus here or focus there. Or 
you know, so in a way, these songs, they, they have a melody. The melody is really important, but the words often change. I remember it used to drive me crazy when I used to ask these um, Shipibo uh, healers to teach me a song. And so they, they teach me this. They, they say, these are the words, and I write the words down. And then later that night, I'd listen in ceremony. They'd be singing that song, and it would be totally different. The, the words would change every damn time. So, and then I would go back to them and say, well, I thought the song went like this, but then you, you made it like that. And they said, oh, it's never the same, you know? It's always different. So it made it a little hard to learn. But then once I started being able to create as I sang, I got the idea that it's, it's spontaneous. It's something that you you tailor for the person that's sitting in front of you. You, you, you listen for the words that spirit gives you. Mm. So my personality had to get out of the way and allow for, you know, the risky thing of like, well, what if I don't hear anything? What if spirit doesn't tell me anything? Well, you know, but of course spirit always does. So it's no problem. So, so the tune remains the same, but you'll, you'll plug in lyrics as uh, as necessary totally particular doctoring or healing that's going on yeah yeah of that patient yeah so what was so can you give us a little context on on what was going on in that ceremony um <clears throat> in the shipibo ceremony that that you described to us before and that this is kind of recreating for us in this song in this moment yeah, well, you know, that was so many years ago that I don't remember what the song was that he sang. But um, basically what he was doing was he was uh, identifying whatever uh, the Shipibos believe that um, there's these little parasites that can go in you, energetic parasites, not physical parasites like you have in your gut maybe. But there's these energetic parasites that can enter into you uh, from people that maybe have ill intent towards you or things like that. They, they have various sources. Anyway, they can enter into you and they can start creating havoc in your body. They can show up as fevers or as uh, pains or as illnesses of various kinds. <clears throat> so what they do is they sing a song that identifies where that parasite is and what it is, and then they can actually go in and grab it and pull it out and dispose of it. Now, sometimes they do that through a song, and sometimes they do that through a um, what's called an extraction. And they can do it by sucking with their mouth, or they can do it by pulling it out with feathers. I've seen them do that, like uh, you know, in places where they use feathers, or they can they can even use like a stick, and they can use a stick like a straw and pull out these things and believe it or not you can actually if you're on the receiving end of that you know they're taking something out of you you can actually feel it leave and you can feel a much you can feel like better like a like somehow more invigorated or you can feel that a pain is just gone or a problem has been lifted through these extraction methods and uh, I've seen Australian Aboriginals use extraction. I've seen Shipibo use extractions. I've seen Huichols use extractions. 
I've seen North Native Americans in uh, uh, United States use extraction. So these things are done all over the world with slightly different methods, but they, it's still called an extraction. And um, I actually had to learn extraction in, in I learned my, my methods from the Shipibo and the Huichol, two different methods. But basically they involve the same thing, which is going in, identifying something that needed to come out. It involves colors and shapes and textures and uh, you know, those sorts of things. And then methods to, um, uh, to trick the parasite. You know, you, you can't let it know it's com you're coming. You have to sort of seduce it. So and sometimes when you sing the song, the song is about seducing it. And then you go in and grab it and pull it out before it can hide itself. I know this sounds strange to an ordinary, uh, you know, North American uh, citizen, but uh, these are the ways of shamanism. And, uh, and they happen to work. So along the way, when I saw enough results from these methods, I just had to admit, like, who cares if I don't understand it? It works. So why not use something that works? <laughs> you know, I mean. And, and that brings us to your work today. And I, I want to make sure that we have a little bit of time to talk about what you do at your school and how you work with people. And, and maybe most importantly, the, the way that we could begin this part of the conversation is, you've talked about all of these different places that you've been and all of the teachings that you've learned. My curiosity is out of all of that, how do you create a method for teaching? Okay. Um, well, I, I've distilled it. Uh, I try to distill down a lot of different methods. Uh, I tried to distill down the philosophy behind it and teach my students, uh, you know, why and how it works. And then I'll show them a couple different methods. You can either do it this way, like the Shipibos do it, or you can do it this way, like the Huichols do it. It doesn't matter which method you use, as long as maybe you just have a preference for one over the other. Maybe one feels more comfortable to you than another. Um, but these are the main things to know. First, you have to protect yourself so that you don't end up with the problem yourself by sucking it into yourself. And then, you know, that becomes a problem. So you have to learn a couple methods to protect yourself. And once you learn that, and you can use some tobacco to do that, or you can use like, a, a, you know, a gemstone, there's various ways. And then uh, you, so basically I'm teaching like the ABCs of the process. First you do this, then you do this, then this happens, and then you check for results. If you didn't get full results the first time, then you have to do it again. And maybe you use a slightly different method and you keep uh, doing it until you, you know, the person gets relief. And uh, I'm making, I'm vastly simplifying here, but basically I use my knowledge that comes from different traditions and I tried to distill, what's the essence of this? Why does this work? And what, is the, what, is, what are the critical steps involved? And that's what I tend to teach my students. And I'll, I'll demonstrate 
you know, using a, a subject that volunteers to, to be the subject. And then I, I demonstrate on them first. And then I interview the person or I ask them like what they felt or what they experienced or what, you know, and so all the students are sitting around listening to, you know, the responses and you can't expect uh, it to work every time on every person. And so then you, you, you talk about when it doesn't work and, you know, it, it just like try to shine light in every corner. So a lot of the, a lot of the things that traditional healing um, methods work on are what we in the anthropological circles would call culture-bound syndromes. So things like mal-ojo, for example. Oh, yeah. Uh, things like mal-aire. Uh, things like soul loss. So let's say that you're an American and you're living in this society. How, in what way is it helpful to turn to these particular ways? It's, it's extremely helpful. Um, for example, let's say that, uh, let's say I'm, I'm uh, working with, uh, uh, somebody calls me and, and, and basically states that they, they've been experiencing uh, low energy and they're, they're foggy you know, focus and, they just can't, they just don't seem to have any kind of vitality and this has been going on for a long time and blah, blah, blah. And I begin to interview them and sure enough, it turns out that they've been maybe sexually abused as, as a child. And sometimes it's the case that they, they dismissed that or didn't think that that was part of the problem or maybe they, they, they didn't remember it or whatever. But nevertheless, there's always an interviewing process, you know, um, to find out more. And then, um, uh, you know, I take a look. I, I take a look at the person. I see that uh, this actually, this syndrome that they're experiencing began at that, at that time in their life when that thing was taking place, that unfortunate circumstance. And uh, so uh, then I'll identify it as that a part of them uh, was so frightened or so humiliated or whatever that they that the part of them went sort of separated out now that's called soul loss but i don't like to use the term soul loss because i don't believe a soul can be lost so in my mind it's a part of the person's personality that was actually cut off so susto that we would often use in curanderismo yeah, susto, mm -hmm. exactly. And susto oftentimes, uh, you know, will seal off a, a particular part of the psyche and, and, and keep it sort of uh, boundaried so that it doesn't uh, interfere with the rest of life. But in the end, it always does. And so you, you, you track down the, where the susto led the person. You track down that part of them that separated out and you invite it to return. I'm, I'm, again, I'm simplifying greatly, but you invite it to return. And then through a method of maybe drumming or rattling or singing songs, you, you seduce that part of them to come back. And you invite it back very kindly. And, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't want to come back the first time. So you, this may take a couple of times to do, but 
uh, let's say that it decides to come back and it, it may be that you blow it, you, you take it and you blow it into their chest or you blow it into their crown or blow it somewhere else into their body. And then you step back and allow the person to report what they experienced. And very often the person experiences um, that they feel more whole, they feel more integrated, they feel somehow that something that was lost is now part of them again. And you check back in a couple of weeks later to make sure that that wasn't just a passing thing and that it really held firm. And, um, and then either you have to do some more work on it or it's fine, it's taken care of. So that's a hell of a lot quicker and better I, in my mind, than uh, six years of like psychoanalysis or, you know, endless talking therapy or whatever, where the person actually is often re-traumatized in the telling over and over of what happened. Um, that, these methods can be, are much more humane in some ways and much more, um, well, they're they're quicker. They can be done in a session or two. And and why do you suppose that is? What? Why do you? I mean, uh, you know, again, I'm asking you to separate that Western mind from the indigenous mind and indigenous practice. So, from coming from a Western perspective, why is this so much more effective? Well, because I think that a lot of times talk therapy brings up a lot of resistance. And the more the person talks about it, the more the resistance comes up. And pretty soon the resistance is just a, you know, a huge wall of defense. And you, what you've done is actually unbeknownst to you as a therapist, you've raised the resistance. And, and that may make it impossible to actually get you know, to the healing. So um, through practices like this, uh, there's no time for the resistance to come up. Uh, and besides the, uh, it, it, the, the uh, healer um, is uh, taking the burden onto themselves, so to speak. I don't mean that they're taking it inside, but they're taking responsibility for making the contact, making the connection, being the midwife. In other words, in birth, and in death, we often have midwives. We have people that sit with the, you know, the person who's dying, or we have people that are assisting with the birth. So this is that. This is midwifing a different kind of a birth or a different kind of a death. Uh, you know, midwives are very, very important figures in our history. And um, it, it's the same process. So that's, I mean, that's a quick way of talking about it. But. So Jose, you've, you've written an amazing amount between all of the articles and all of the books and you, you have the school. What would the listener, how could the listener go down this road with you? Well, um, here's the thing. If, if you're getting all the relief that you need from allopathic medicine, are you getting all the relief you need from traditional psychotherapy? I'm all for it. That's wonderful. I'm happy that that's happening. Um, whatever works. But if you're not really getting 
relief from uh, whatever the problem is, and you've been to many, many doctors, you've tried different kinds of therapy and it hasn't, nothing's worked for you and so you're still struggling with the problem, then I would say um, break out of the mold, try anything, try something else. Um, it's worth a try because you, you know, you've, you've tried one thing and it, it hasn't worked for you, so try another thing. In other words, uh, uh, you know, it's not the time to give up, but you know, as they say, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over, that's a sign of craziness. So, <laughs> you know, you, do, you don't want to just keep going back to a, a variety of allopathic doctors if none of them have helped you. It, it's time to really break the mold and do something different. And it's okay if it fails. It's okay. Or if yeah. it's, it's okay if only a partial results the first time. It's sometimes that's the part of the process. So there's good reasons for uh, anybody listening who has um, an illness, an affliction of any kind to turn toward traditional methods of healing. What about the people who are interested in learning traditional healing? Um, well, there, there's, there's not as many opportunities as maybe there used to be in the times when there were shamans everywhere. But there are still opportunities, and there are people, there are various people who, uh, who offer training in this. Like there's a lot of uh, curanderos, curanderas from Mexico, other parts of Central America that uh, take on apprentices and, and teach people, offer classes. You can find them on, on the internet. Um, it's best, of course, to track to try to find out their integrity and get some referrals or something like that. Cause not everybody that advertises is bona fide, you know, uh, knows what they're doing. Um, there's also uh, people like myself that have trained with uh, healers from different traditions and are able to translate. So sometimes that is, I've had people tell me that they were, really glad that I could, ex I could translate and explain things in English and explain things in a Western way so they could get it more quickly. So sometimes when somebody goes and learns with a traditional healer, um, either they have to learn Spanish to do it, or they talk in a way that is so different from their perspective that they don't understand a lot of what's being told them. And, so sometimes if they talk to somebody like me, I can explain how that works. And it's a little easier for them. But there are opportunities. They're all over the internet, so. And what about your organization? Tell us if you could a little bit about what you do and how people can get in touch with you. Well, it's the Power Path. And uh, the Power Path does a variety of things. Um, we in addition to books and seminars and workshops, uh, there's a, a year-long tr uh, training shamanic studies program. And um, uh, that introduces somebody to uh, many aspects of shamanism, gets them on the shamanic path. It, it's, uh, people have told me that it's great fun, that it's uh, a grand adventure, because all kinds of things happen and uh, that it's absolutely terrifying at times because you know they have to confront certain things about themselves but in the end 
it's the, most people say it's the best thing they've ever done, which I feel very good about <laughs> that, you know, I can participate in that with them. Um, after they do that program, then they're eligible to, if they want, they can begin taking practitioner training classes and learn to do very specific healing work. And there's introductory and, uh, you know, advanced classes in that. And uh, so there's a lot of programs. There's all kinds of ways to learn and study and learn about shamanism. And what a beautiful and inspiring environment in Santa Fe to do it in. Oh, yeah. Well, the, I, I have to say, this is a wonderful place to live. <laughs> Jose Luis Stevens, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.